Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around equity, diversity, and inclusion. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in the space. Let's get started. Shalita Grant, a Tony-nominated actress, spent three years as a series regular on a popular television show that garnered millions in weekly ratings. However, her tight, type 4 hair was never welcome on set. The show's producers demanded what they called, and I quote, a professional look that damaged Shalita's hair and shattered her self-esteem. She made the difficult decision to quit what had once been a dream job and focus on healing emotionally and physically. After concocting a natural henna mud mask in her kitchen, that gorgeously defined her curls, Shalita fell in love with her hair again. She created Four Naturals Hair in her dining room in Toluca Lake, California in 2019 to ensure that her community, which is my community, could heal their type 4 hair by strengthening and embracing it instead of altering it, chemically manipulating it, or forcing it to adhere to white beauty standards. It has since grown into a nationwide salon and home care treatment system. The plant-based active ingredients renew, restore, and rebuild even the most compromised textured hair naturally. Shalita's clients, better known as her curl friends, can enjoy the pool or Hawaiian vacations knowing that when they emerge from the water, their hair will form head-turning curls that drop and define, camouflaging any existing issues like alopecia. I certainly wish my mother would have had a product like this for me when I was a child, pain-free, stress-free, detangling without tears or fear. But after her experience, Shalita chose to heal both inside and out, and created this standardized method to lift up other Black women still struggling with fragile, misunderstood hair. When Shalita's patent goes through, she will make history as only the second Black woman to hold a patent for a natural hair product. Yes, I am so excited to have Shalita Grant with me today on the Jolly Podcast, and I'm Really interested in your story, but I am a fan. So, you know, <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, my gosh, yes, I totally I would love to hear you speak. I love the work that you do. And I'm just so excited that you are making such a contribution to the world in so many different ways. So thank you for being here. Thank you for that introduction. That was uh, very lovely. Thank you. Very heartfelt. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, hey, this is, I mean, I love, you know, it, well, I, I won't fan out right here, but I am definitely a fan. So I really wanted to just start. Normally I start, you know, the podcast is all about diversity, equity, and inclusion, which really is everything we do and, you know, everything in life. And so I usually start out just asking people to tell me a little bit about 
how they got to where they are, how did they become the person they are today? And you could kind of start wherever you want. But, you know, a lot of people go back and talk about, you know, their parents or whatever. But how how did you I know you have a journey and we'll we'll get to a lot of that. But just how did you get to where you are today? Oh, okay. Very good question. So I come from kids. Like my parents were kids. My dad was 17. So kids make terrible parents. They're just selfish and they're forgetful. So my mom and my dad, they weren't together for very long after I was born. And my mom very quickly gave me up to her mom who gave me to her mom. And so when I really came online, you know, I was living with my dad's mother. And I moved in with my mom when I was five, moved back with her. And that didn't last very long because she ended up going to jail. And then her mom got us back. So I spent about 10 years of my childhood in Virginia. When my mom got out of jail, that's when all of my moving started, like not started, but continued because, you know, since I was born, I've, I haven't had like structure, right? Or like like a pot where I have roots, you know? So I went yes. to six different elementary schools. I went to the same middle school, but I never lived in the same place. I just never like changed my address by that point. And then I went to two different high schools in two different states. So for me, like having so much flux in my early life really helped me, you know, the ends don't justify the means, but you know, as a millennial, like we haven't really been able to count on any structure. And that's been true for me. Like I haven't, I didn't have like a traditional, like parental, like structure. I always had to figure stuff out for myself. So, so going into acting was also like kind of luck and happenstance. It was like, I was at the same middle school and I knew the high school because I was going and I was running track over there. And then we had the sleeping meeting and they told us about this governor school. And so it was like two different governor schools. I classified them as the smart school and the art school. And I was like, I'm going to go to the art school. And the only like discipline that didn't require like a lot of schooling before was acting. And so I just won it. And my mom actually helped me with my audition. The only place she knew, like, which isn't a bad play to know, is A Raisin and then The Sun. And so she was like, don't do a monologue. You should just do the whole scene. And you should play both characters. And so I did. And I did the scene where <laughs> Vanita tells <laughs> mom that she doesn't believe in God. And she gets slapped. So I slap myself. And I like received the slap because I'm two different people, you know. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and I got into that school. And then by the time I was 15, I had my like teenage angst. So I started yes. like skipping and stuff. And then I, long story short, ended up with my dad's family. And my dad at 12 years old decided he didn't want to go to school anymore. So for him, when I moved in with them, 15, he was just like, she don't want to go to school. So he had me like, as their nanny, essentially, like taking care of the other four kids, like picking them up from school, dropping them off from school, like cooking, cleaning. And that lasted a while before I realized like, he is not going to let me go to school. So I had to like go on this campaign of like, I want to go to school. I know that there is an art school. I should go there and audition. So we went 
got an audition and they let me in. And it was from that school that I learned about Juilliard and like all of these different like opportunities. And so I just said yes. Like at that school, whenever there was an opportunity, I just said yes. And I always like prepared. And then I just like would win. And and I found myself like the first person in my family with a passport, the first person in my family to leave the country twice. And this was at 17 years old. So wow. it was through acting that I like continued my vagabond life as of my childhood, <laughs> just like way more upscale, you know? So yeah. Nice. I love it. Well, I mean, there's so many nuggets in there, but I, I will say, just say yes. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just say yes. So, so then in terms of, I mean, obviously you, you know, went in the world and were successful in acting and doing a lot of things. And I know you've had, you had, and you know, I, I guess, let me take a step back in front, in terms of, you know, just the industry itself and, you know, representation, because we all know representation matters. How did, how was, how did having representation or not impact your journey on screen? Yeah. So like, the constant in my childhood was definitely the television. And so I was a child of the 90s. So I I don't feel like as a millennial child, I was without Black representation. Like, oh my God, I loved it. UPN, like we would just like watch all the shows, you know? And so at WB, like I just, I had so, I had a rich, very rich Black like, foundation, you know, especially through entertainment. And yes. the other thing was that like my my mom's side of the family was culturally and still is nation of Islam, Muslim. So like we had I have like my great grandfather who died when I was 12. Everybody on my mom's side of the family is like super young. So like my great great grandma died when I was nine. My great grandma just died like five years ago. So like everybody was wow. super young. But it came from the great grands, the switch from like Christianity to NOI, Muslim. Nation of Islam. Mm -hmm. huh? And so while when I moved in with my grandma the first time when I was five, well, it was probably the second time because I lived with her pre-five. But when I moved in with her, culturally, she was still Nation of Islam, even though she wasn't still like practicing and like going but like we didn't eat pork when I moved in with her. Like my other grand grandmother, like ate like she made me pork chops every night. You know what I mean? Like it was like <laughs> it was good over there. But this one was like turkey bacon and like <laughs> you know it was like very different. So, but one of the things that I loved was that I was raised like, hey, you're black, so we we don't do like white Barbies. We don't do like. You don't idolize whiteness because there's so much of that in our world already. So mm -hmm. at home, it should be a space of like affirming you, right? Yes. So, so I loved that. And then my, so my journey into TV was one where I had a lot of hope, you know, like, yeah. it was just like, you know, there's so many Black people, but then when you get in a thing, you recognize like, you know, it ain't always what you what you think. It's a it little is. different than you think it is, right? Is <laughs> that is that? So, so for me, the theater seemed like a really safe, like first space. 
And so, because it was the first place that welcomed me, you know, like it was theater school, it was, you know, Juilliard, you know. So I just thought, oh yeah, like I'm just going to work in the theater for a while and then I'll switch over to TV. And as a millennial, you know, I was in, I was in school when the writer's strike happened, when the recession of 2008 happened. So it was like, oh, the world that I'm graduating into is not the one that is from like the 90s, right? Like it's not like, but but it was better, you know what I mean, than the 90s, right? Because now we're right. kind of like more everywhere. Whereas in the 90s, there were like black shows and there was very little like mixing, right? Mm-hmm. And so And so graduating, my first job was in the theater, but three years later, I was a Tony nominee. So it was like, I reached the top of the mountain in the theater. And in yeah. the theater, like it's when it comes to hair, everybody wears wigs. Like it's not like a thing, like white, black, Indian, right. like everybody wears a wig because they're functional, right? Right, right. So when I decided that I wasn't gonna like continue to try in the theater after the nomination, that I was gonna go to TV, that's when I, I really learned about the experience of being a Black actress in Hollywood and how dramatically different it is from my colleagues, you know, and my white colleagues. Yes, right. So, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, I mean, I spent 30 years in payment technology working at Visa and financial institutions. And so a lot of the, you know, appearance, I mean, you have to you know, they're typically looking at you and they're looking for straight hair. And, you know, I'm older than you, but, you know, it was kind of one of those things where you're always trying to acclimate. And, you know, I what I love now is just being able to embrace our natural hair and do things that, you know, allow us to really celebrate who we are authentically. So, so I don't know if you, do you want to talk a little bit about just your journey with hair and, you know, kind of how you got into Four Naturals, how you started it, what that looked like? Yeah. As an actress, you have this like special, there's so much of your life that your career like touches on. So like one of those aspects is your hair. My hair was super fragile It didn't have any curl definition. I struggled with dryness. If I looked at a heat tool, my hair was damaged to the point where I would have to get a big chop. So, you know, you're saying so many Black women have to deal with like showing up to work and what these standards mean. So as much as there is more, you know, hair diversity on screen, the more things, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Because the truth is over 95% of Black actresses are in wigs, like 95% of the time that they're on camera, right? So even if the wig is a natural texture, it's still a wig, right? Right, right. So this speaks to the, the truth that like no matter what level of society, no matter what level financially you hit, when you're a Black woman with type 4 hair, there's no one to save you when with your type four hair. Like right. you get to the top of the mountain, you just have experts at hiding your hair, you know, but there's no one there that's there to care for your hair, to help your hair right. thrive. 
And when you talk about like, like a rich mindset versus a wealth mindset, a rich mindset is like, I can afford a $2,000 bust down. A wealth mindset is I have all of my edges and amazing growth retention. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So, so I thought that with my new riches, that I will be able to invest in my hair and, you know, have that healthy, gorgeous hair. And that just wasn't the case. So for, for me, it was, you know, job after job or audition after audition, especially going to Hollywood, it was about transformation. Every role has to, like, I have to show up as the character, right? Because you're competing with these A-list, B-list, C-list, and you're fresh from New York, but so you don't, you're not on list yet, you know? So (laughs) I am like showing you, you know, to put on more bells and whistles. And so I just hoped, expected that, you know, when I get on these sets, that they will be able to maintain whatever it is they want. Enter my first series regular job in CIS New Orleans. So 2015, I get this job. And by this point, I'm really good with the wigs and my leave out, like just being able to do that myself. So I come on the show like the end of season one, and I'm in a wig with some leave out. Then I find out that I'm going to be the new series regular. So I think clearly, like surely. Surely they're going to be able to like work with me because I'm going to be regular on the show. And so I asked to have hair texture, like more hair texture because of the humidity in New Orleans and it'd be much easier to maintain. And the the response I got back from this one uh, producer in particular that he didn't want to see vanity. So he didn't want the curl to be too tight. So we had to do like hair tests. And so season two, I came in with this like wet and wavy wee. Wanted to put the sew-in in ponytails, right? So we all know the limitations of a lot of these looks, right? Yes. Even if you see celebrities on white red carpets in wigs that they put in a ponytail, they're also not going to go running and putting hats on it and like, you know, chasing the, like there are limitations, right? Right, so, right. At every every iteration of this ponytail, I would hit the limitations of either the construction of the ponytail or the very real limitations of my fragile hair. So one episode in the water in season two resulted in me having traction alopecia because I was rehearsing in like chlorinated water and I've had these tracks in forever and it's pulling and, and I take it down, clean spot in the middle of my head in my 20s. Then I start losing my hair on the perimeter in season three. And so by season four, it just became the the middle of my hiatus between season three and season four. It just became clear that like, I got to leave this job. Right. It's not getting better. (laughs) It's not getting better. It's literally only I was like wowing the fans with like my spunk and like I was doing my own stunts and stuff. By the end of season three, it was just like all about my hair. So, you know, as a black woman, that's hard because it's it's yes. such a ra- our hair is such a random limitation in our lives. Like it's yeah. just like how it can derail your life and the surprise of like really 
Like I, I have all of these things. Right. And it really only comes down to this. Yeah. It's so disappointing. So it is disappointing. You- Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Our hair is so much a part of who we are. Yeah. I mean, it is not that it's not that we can't do anything without our hair, but it's just such a part of who we are. So I think, you know, your journey just shows the, you know, just the self-esteem, the mental health aspects of the impact of really just the hair. Like, you know, it's crazy. But then when you pull it apart, right, like it's not just the hair. Like there is a a reason that we're all having the same experience, right? And and there is a level of like like erasure of like white supremacy and colonialism when we just say like it's just hair, right? And when (laughs) other people hear your story, your trauma stories around your hair and they're like, I can't believe, like, oh, it's just hair. And it's like, yeah, well, that's hair is a way that people have been controlled by white people for centuries. Like, yes. it's part of the assimilation, yes. right? Literally, yes. the natives were sent to assimilation schools. The first thing they did was cut the hair of the men, yes. you know, yes. for the Chinese, like, this jury, right before the Chinese Exclusion Act, one of the hate crimes committed against them in the San Francisco Chinatowns were having their cues cut by yep. white men as a yes. as a way of of disrespect. So for black women and and black men and boys, like we all experience it if you have type four hair. But speaking specifically to the black woman experience. You know, there's so much tied to our femininity and our femininity is tied to our social capital. And so there's just like, and and then when it comes to school and jobs, like you're told at every stage in life how important your hair is by the level of punishment you've either witnessed someone experience or you've experienced yourself. So there is this, just this like, I got to stay in line. I want to I want to be seen as like worthy of like professionalism or, you know, that I'm smart and that I have like a lot to contribute, but everyone's always looking right above my eyes, right? They're yeah. always doing that. Always. Yes. On me. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell us about Four Naturals and how you decided that you were going to after having all of that real trauma you know, what made you start Four Naturals and and what's the story? Like, how did yeah. you get there? <laughs> so I'll come, I'll come through it from the the perspective of I was just trying to solve my black actress problems. So like I leave this show and I'm like, oh, the one aspect of my career that has constantly been a bane is my hair. So okay. if okay. if I like if I get on another show. I'm going to run into the same issue because the studios and the sets like the hair union, they're not trained on our hair. So 
there are so many Black actresses that have the same story as I have. Mine was egregious, but still to this day, in our the year of our Beyonce 2023, you still right? have Black actresses who do their hair at home, you know, or are showing up much earlier than everyone else. They're expected to do their own hair before going on camera. And you have a whole trailer full of hair people just walking around you and cleaning and preparing for other actresses that they will actually work for. So for me, it was really about how do I how do I create a sense of safety and resiliency around an area that is just can really go left. Because as an actress, you get rejected all the time. You got to be resilient. But my hair is so agile. I need something that's going to make my hair resilient. So I started looking into cosmetic chemistry. And I started looking into the hair practices of the people of India, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Greece. And so in the summer or spring of 2019, I had come away with enough knowledge that I was like, all right, I think that I can potentially solve this problem. So I did my first Born Naturals treatment. And the experience was this. The experience was, I said, I needed it to be natural and I needed it to solve every type four hair problem that I have. My dryness, my lack of curl definition, my hair's response to water, whether it's humidity, rain, chlorinated water, like all of the areas that I've experienced pain with my hair, heat damage. I needed something that was going to address all of those, like super comprehensive, but really simple, like in the style that I'm used to, which is where I put something on and I sit and then I rinse it and it does remain in my hair. And so I did my first treatment and I had like the black girl trust issues, right? Because we've been through things, right? Like you'll try a product and you're like, oh, this is great, but you know that it stops working. Like there's something that happens and it goes off. So I had my first treatment and it was like somebody drew a black line around each of my strands and that black line had weight in it and also like magnets. And so all of my curl, I had these like ringlets of curls, like what you see today. And they hang and they move like, P.S., I just washed my hair like an hour and a half ago. It's completely dry, oh, wow. but it's like, it like, see, right? So, so I go, all right, let me just make sure. All right, I'm going to do another treatment because what I learned about henna is that it's cumulative. So every treatment builds on the last. And so by my third treatment, I happened to like look in the mirror like a week after and I knew that I had been rolling around on the floor. I skipped the bonnet a couple of nights, like just like lived life, right? Without really a care for my hair. And I passed by my reflection and girl, I had curls and they was fangalanging and they were still with the juicy. And I was like, oh, yes. oh my God, <laughs> this is it. I finally figured it out. So what is it? It I is the it. patent pending treatment. The first step is the patent pending copyrighted detangling method because detangling is also an area that is a pain point for people with type 4 hair. You lose a lot of hair. It's painful. You do one section, you go back and it's tangled again. You know, like yes. what is up? So I used some cosmetic chemistry and some cultural science and I d- developed a detangling method. Then there's the henna mud mask and that's where the magic happens. And so the henna mud mask is a concentrate 
of henna, indigo, just all these good humectants. Mm. And then you add some water to it. And henna has the ability to bind to your strand. The reason our hair stands straight up, frizzes out, and gets stiff You'd start adding like all these products thinking it's going to add weight to it. And it doesn't. It just adds buildup. Well, henna adds that physical weight and it has the cationic or positive charge to connect to our negatively charged hair. So when you sit with avocado and mayonnaise and tresemme on your hair, like you don't see a difference. Even though you tell yourself that you will, you don't see, feel a difference with henna you do. The third is the cassia deep conditioner that also contains slippery elm, which increases your tensile strength. What's tensile strength? It's the ability to bend before you break. And so that's why our hair is so brittle because it's not moisturized, right? So when it's not moisturized and it's more prone to breakage, well, tensile strength infuses your hair with so much moisture that your hair becomes elastic. So you have that that the spring effect yes. of your curls, it's the elasticity. So then the fourth step is your wash and go because this is now your hair's new set. Pre-treatment, your hair is set on fro. Post-treatment, your hair is set on curls. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh, that is just awesome. I think you've just changed my life because I went, as you can see, natural about a year ago. I've been in braids for about a year now. And I took it down literally probably a few weeks ago. And for the first time, my hair actually curled up. But as you said, it doesn't last. So I'm looking forward to this because I know, I mean, there's, I know there's so many people out there that are interested in this because, you know, it's a constant struggle, right? To find the right product. It's like a treasure hunt. Um, It is. I'm excited. So so how, how do we find Four Naturals and, you know, how, what do we do to to make sure we can access it? Yeah. So mosey on over to www.four, as in the number four, naturals, as in all of us, hair.com. And check out the homepage. I have a video on there that goes over all of the results. Like, is this treatment for you? And then head over to our education page and learn. And then once you've amassed all of this education for yourself, go over to the store and change your life. Because literally every curl friend that has done this treatment has changed her life. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm going to be your new curl friend. So I am looking forward to, to getting my pack and giving it a whirl. I'm so excited about all of this, especially as we think about, you know, just the Crown Act and, you know, all of the hair discrimination that women have gone through, Black women specifically have gone through, and Black men. And so it's it's really exciting for me to be able to just highlight just all of the wonderful celebratory things you're doing in the world So last question in terms of, I mean, you now as an entrepreneur and having kind of gone through your journey and overcoming all of those challenges, because clearly you are just beaming and gorgeous and happy. (laughs) But tell us, tell us, you know, now that you're an entrepreneur, do you have any any other term things that advice you might want to give or 
you know, what 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 has that journey been like? Yeah, the the entrepreneur journey has been it's been a spiritual one. It's it's it takes a lot of growth to have an idea but then be able to organize around that idea and not lose faith, right? And then especially if you're a first timer, you got to struggle with the imposter syndrome, right? Absolutely. So, Yes. So here is my here is my fix for those women and and it's always women, right? It's two things. <laughs> it's a two-parter. The first yes. part is turn your imposter syndrome, like the the what it wants you to do, which is stop, like end the road, right? Like you don't know what you're doing, who do you think you are? You're going to fail. That's end of the road. I want you to turn it into a pit stop. So where you meet that imposter syndrome and the imposter syndrome goes, this is the end of the road, learn. That's how yes. you turn it into a pit stop. Because it's right. Like for me, when I first started, I didn't have, as you know, I started this, I didn't have a great example for successful people, you know, successful entrepreneurs. And both of my parents went into the entrepreneur lifestyle. My mom, because she had to, she was a convicted felon. So right, getting right. working for other people was not really like a great option for her, but mm -hmm. she also wasn't very successful at working for herself. So my imposter syndrome said, you don't know how to do this. And I thought, you're right, but I can find people who do because I'm a yes. learner. Yes. So I found the E-Myth revisited and I started reading from other entrepreneurs about how to cultivate a successful business. And then when I had enough information, I kept going. And so every time my imposter syndrome flared up, I just took it as an opportunity to learn more because that's all that fear is about. And then the second part is look for, I don't know if I can say this, but look for dickhead examples, right? So for you can a say while, whatever you want, hon. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a while, I used Elon Musk as my dickhead example, right? <laughs> so this was like before we not all, to do. before we all came onto my side of things and realized this guy is a moron. <laughs> I would read, I would be, I would like flip through Twitter and he would be all through my news and everyone's always talking about him. And so this was at a point where I knew a lot about Four Naturals, but I was scared to talk about it. Right. And so I looked at this dickhead and I was like, Shalita, you think this guy's a moron. Like I read the interviews and it was like, this, this guy's a joke. But everybody's like, he's the greatest, right? And because I'm a millennial, I have that contrarian in me, right? So I'm like looking at him sideways. <laughs> and I go, well, you know what? If he makes you so jealous, because that's what it was. It was jealousy, right? Because this fucking moron is all through all of this press, but you can't get up and talk about something that is actually brilliant and actually life-changing. So yes. instead of just being mad at him, take his example. Do something about it. Yeah. Do something about it. So yes. that's all. Learn and then take action. And if you need a good Dickhead example, there's plenty of them out there, baby. Yes, <laughs> Just there are. This one. <laughs> yes, there are. I won't even go into it, but there are too many. <laughs> so exactly, exactly. So if they're doing it, get up and do it. 
I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I I truly, it has it is a highlight for me and I am absolutely looking forward. I, and when I get my pack, I'm going to give you a shout out and I'm going to let all my friends know, you know, how, how it's going. So definitely I am looking forward to it and we wish you the best of of wishes and you know I just really want to celebrate what you're doing because I think it's fantastic I think you know the more you get into hair the more you get into mental health and self-esteem and you know all of those things and all of the people that come come behind you so I just really appreciate all you're doing in the world and just keep going as you say thank you (laughs) I'm gonna keep going and you keep going too I will. I will. Thank you so much. And I look forward to following you more and, you know, join Shalita Grant and make sure you look up for naturals. So remember, F-O-U-R, naturals. And check it out so you can go get your education on and then you can buy the product. So yeah, definitely do so. Thank you again, Shalita so much for joining me and I look forward to it. Thanks for having me, Melissa. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.